Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. It's here we are. The channel is redefining society, and I played a little trick here to my guest because she was expecting to talk about specifically cybersecurity or in the cybersecurity field because we already had a conversation about burnout into the cybersecurity industry, and that was right so right before Black Hat 2022 in Las Vegas, and. Uh, and we decided that it was such a great conversation and there was so much left to, to cover, even outside cybersecurity industry. And to be able to talk about burnout and uh, uh, business psychology and, uh, and how this is actually becoming uh, much of a, of a news that we find every day. Um, when you look around social media, people are working remotely, People are quitting their job. People are getting burnout. And we're trying to understand what is going on. But before I keep going on this, I welcome back Stacey Tyre. Uh, our first conversation, again, that was before Black Hat. And today we are into redefining society. So we're going to open up this conversation a little bit. And I'm very excited about it. So thank you for coming back, Stacey. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for, for having me back. I love talking about all of this stuff. So excited to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and we don't really have a plan, but I think uh, I think we know enough to, as Sean says sometimes, which unfortunately couldn't join us today, to be dangerous. So I'll ask a lot of questions and okay. uh, hopefully we, together we'll try to find some, uh, some answer. But let's start from the beginning, a little bit about yourself. And uh, actually, because it was... Uh, before your talk, a black hat about burnout. Mm -hmm. Tell me, <laughs> how, how did it go? No, it was great. It was great. It, um, it, a lot of people are burnt out. <laughs> that that one was <laughs> that was. There's a good amount of people there, and then we had an after session where. Uh, we really got into some of the nuances of um, what people were going through. It was a community discussion where people were able to share some of their personal experiences. And then I had questions afterwards. And so um, I 
got a lot of positive feedback, which, which I always appreciate. Um, so I, I hope what I said resonated with people. But, you know, it's clear that, um, you know, people are, are struggling and that burnout is something that that really does resonate with people. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and you do that because you are, what's your job? <laughs> so uh, I am by definition, a, a cyber psychologist slash organizational psychologist. So um, my, my background uh, is I have a PhD in an organizational psychology and an MBA. So that, that allows me to uh, take a look at the human side of uh, the business world, but then also the MBA helps me look at the bottom line and able to understand the, the, the business side of things uh, because at the end of the day, the business has to look at the, the quantitative you know, number but the, the people and the human side is so important. Uh, all the, the organizational literature supports that, that when you have engaged and happy employees, that actually results in the quantitative numbers that you want, that productivity goes up, that um, you end up having a much more effective workplace. So I try to bring those two together. Uh, and then my what I do, I teach cyber psychology because my, my background then ends up being uh, in technology and I kind of fell into security. I ran security conferences and worked in security companies. So all of that blended together to create me and my knowledge base of uh, doing organizational development and business and uh, cyber psychology, bringing that all together. Very cool. And, and that's what inspired me to make this, uh, this sudden change from one channel to the other, because we already talked in the specific of cybersecurity. And of course, technology embrace at this point, let's face it, every almost everything we do in our life. That's how we, we work, we connect, we consume entertainment, and, and we live our life with IoTs, devices all over us and smart these and smart that so in a way uh, you know technology and society have become one and it's a complex i love that you're looking at all of this from different perspective because in the end the question is aren't ultimately company made of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we can't just treat them as if people were out of the equation societies are made of people companies are made of people and if you want the bottom line to be making money, who is helping to do that? So that, that could be the good question. Did we lose touch with that vision where we try to just make everything numbers that, that finally works, taking the humans out of this equation? For some companies, yes. Um, and then for, for other companies, it's sometimes choosing the wrong people. Um, that's been a big piece where uh, I've seen kind of the, the Achilles heel of, uh, especially with startups, is putting doing the wrong hire, putting faith in, in the wrong person because they have either um, a certain pedigree or they came from another company. Uh, and it's not valuing certain people um, and, and what others have to say and right, looking by the numbers, not listening to um, either what opinions people have or the expertise of the people around you. Um, and so I think, um, you know, especially in, in technology or when you have a, a team of people around you or you have your team, you've hired people 
to give you their opinions. And actually, if you, if you, um, there's Doris Kearns Goodwin, you know, she talks about Lincoln and his advisors or you know, the, the, the people around you. And do you actually listen to them? And do you hear what they say? And do you listen to a diverse set of opinions? Uh, and that's really what's important is, are you listening to the people around you? Are you valuing their opinion and taking a little piece, pieces of that and then listening to that and processing it through your own, your own filters, of course, but yeah, listening to people because you appointed them to have a certain area of expertise that you may not have. And if you hired them, you know, are you listening to them? Are you listening, but are you listening to multiple people, not just one person who's in your ear and you're listening to them only because they have a certain pedigree and then to the extent of where you're not listening to others. Uh, so so are, you, are you saying that some people that have a great background, a great resume, like maybe CEOs or mm -hmm. you know, people in the, in the higher end department, any management level, you're saying that they may be good for some companies, but not good for other company because they have a different bottom line they offer a different product a different service so the assumption is well if you're good for that company you got to be good for my company but yes i'm understanding that that may not be the case yeah they'll you know what happens is the first somebody comes in as a it's a you know a ceo or an executive they hire the people that they've worked with before or they hire within their network and you know, it, it's understandable. They want to work with what, who they're familiar with or who they're connected to. And then sometimes that ends up working against them or they hire somebody because when, when you're hiring somebody that's a known entity or, hey, look, you know, we have somebody who was the CFO of Microsoft or, you know, something like that that has a brand name that ends up being very appealing to the board somewhere else. And so they end up listening to that person because they have expertise or pedigree. Uh, to the point of not listening to um, to the other people around them. I, I, I recently had the, the benefit of, of going to a conference and um, Obama was speaking. And, you know, whether political pieces aside, whatever you think, one of the things that he said that was interesting is he points across the room to um, one of the people who's just taking notes. He said, I just asked them because they're just creating the notes for their people anyway. So the people <laughs> who are up in charge are just listening to what this person tells them anyway. So I just ask them what they think because they're telling the other people what to think. And I, I thought that was really interesting because he's not wrong. No. <laughs> um, so. You're listening to another person reality, maybe, you know, like right. their perception. Then it, it's almost like I remember that, that old game that we used to play as kid that you're telling to one person, a sentence and then the other the person tell it to the next person and by the time you go around it, it's a different it's a different sentence because everybody hears something different in there well who's living the reality of it so if you're making a decision that's going to impact say it's a buying decision right or you're you're picking a software or you're picking something this happens all the time in the security industry right if like so somebody's going to buy something that impacts say the the um the security protocols well who are you going to buy that for the, the is the person buying it and doing the authorization for it, the people that are actually going to be using it and are going to have value for it. And, you know, who, who's making those decisions and who's, who has the input in on that. And so sometimes there's a lot of companies that are spending money and making decisions who aren't the people that are actually having the practical application 
for it. And when you start getting buy-in from, okay, but this is actually what it really looks like and who's going to use it, it, you start making smarter decisions, more, more tactical decisions because you're, you're actually talking to the people that are on the front line doing those things. Right, right. So I want to connect with this because it seems to me that if you have this dynamic that is not functional, right, it, it could be a trigger for unhappiness. It could be a mm -hmm. trigger for burnout, which is what we base our conversation last time about, what your talk was about. And one thing that I remember is was this thing that you were saying that sometimes the signs of burnout are heated. You, you don't know where to look for. Right. And, and it seems to me that it's also a, a structural problem of the, the environment, of the company itself, that, that the way that you organize, it seems to me that that, can you pinpoint your finger to that being the cows or is mm -hmm. too simple to do something like that? I think that that is an example of one of the places where it happens when somebody doesn't feel heard or they feel like they don't matter. So if you say going to, to that example, think about how important that person who takes notes for somebody much more important than them. And they probably are writing this down thinking I'm nobody, nobody knows what I'm doing all the work, but nobody sees what I do. And my boss is taking credit for it. And all of a sudden the boss points at you and says, you, I want to know what you think. And they are seen how important they feel that somebody wants to know their opinion. And that goes in to, to companies too. And that's, I think the problem is, is that when your only leadership matters and you're not looking and saying, you, you're going to actually be using this or this actually impacts you. What do you think when you're not seen, when you're not heard, you may not realize it on that, that tangible level, but you're feeling like you don't matter. And that's where we get into psychological safety. And part of what psychological safety is, is the feeling that you can go and talk to somebody and you won't be judged for it, or you can voice your opinion and there won't be repercussions. So we, th we throw psychological safety around. I feel like nobody's defined that exactly, but that, that is the definition. And so those, that's one of those things where you might not realize, wow, I don't feel like, I, like my opinion matters. You feel it, but you may not have actually put words to it. And when somebody can go up to you and, and say, hey, I want to know your opinion. It takes two seconds to ask somebody what they think, but it matters. And it's those little things that make people feel valued. And when somebody doesn't feel valued, right, those are those hidden things where it eats away at you over time, where you don't feel like you matter, where, oh, I'm being forced to do this again. Nobody asks me what I want. Nobody asked me. I'm just told what to do. I'm the one that has to use this. I, I, I don't like this. I would have done something different that builds resentment up over and over and over again because you would have done something different, but you're, you're the one who's actually using it, who's, who's the one that is affected by it. And somebody you know, who's up in an office somewhere that doesn't use it is making these decisions for you. And in the case of security, sometimes it matters because you're the one who, if there's a, a breach or if there's something that needs more work done, you're the one that has to answer for it, who's watching for it. I feel like this, of course, could be applied to any other job. Like mm -hmm. if you're not happy with your job, what, what is the reason why? And that you become burnout from doing that job. And 
I think it's quite of a different angle from what usually, at least I hear in the cybersecurity industry, technology in general. I assume, and it may be me making the wrong assumption, that burnout means that you're going too fast. You're going high RPM and you end up burning out because you, you work too much, you have no break, you have no family life, no personal life, and you know, you don't get time for yourself. But you're putting kind of a a different angle here where you can get burned out and that has nothing to do with the actual amount of job that you do, but it's the quality of the job mm -hmm. that you do. Yeah. Um, I actually spoke to somebody at Black Hat and said, you know, I, I work a lot and I don't feel burnt out. And I was like, wow. But, but he was feeling good about his job and about the work and, and felt valued in it. And I think when you reach that state of what's called flow, where it's, you feel good about it, you feel like, you know, this is good. I'm on top of it. And you enjoy what you're doing. Uh, yeah. It, it just seems to like, it, feels like second nature where you can enjoy doing it. And I know, I mean, I, I've had that where, um, this is before kids, side note, but <laughs> where I'm at it, where, uh, you know, I just enjoy doing, doing the work and I want to do it. And it feels like um, just a brain challenge or doing a puzzle or just something that I really in, enjoy doing. And so, yeah, it's not the time it's, it's validating. It makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. It makes me feel good about it. When I'm feeling good about my work, it's very, very satisfying and it feels like I'm kicking butt and it feels really great. Um, and I think that that's why the, the reward aspect of it and, and something that, that managers should you know be aware of the fact that, I think people don't realize how hard other people are on themselves and managers sometimes don't realize that the, the compliments or just the acknowledgement of you're doing really, a really great job here. Um, how much that can make somebody's day and energize them to, to keep going uh, that so many people are afraid of their managers. I mean, everybody I think walks around afraid. Managers are afraid that their uh, reports don't like them a lot of times. It, you know, they want to do right by their report. They don't leave. Don't quit my job. Don't quit. You know, are, are you happy here? And they're worried about that sometimes. And then the people that are working for their managers are thinking, you know, I hope my manager thinks I'm doing a good job. And everybody's got their insecurities that are deep inside. And they're so busy focusing on that that they're not necessarily communicating, hey, you know, you know, you're doing great. This is good. I'm happy. And that positive reinforcement is hard to give. It's hard to find the words for it sometimes too. So there's my brain goes always into some sort of the culture, right? So what you're saying for the job, like you're afraid of the manager, you're afraid to be judged. You feel like you cannot speak your mind and participate, giving your opinion, be part of, you know, creating the future of the company. But I can see that kind of that start before even the your working career. I mean, I can think about college and school. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, maybe in the family with parents where kids are told what to do without an explanation or maybe not listen to their opinion. So I'm going way, way deep here. But I'm thinking, is this a cultural phenomenon then then the business is just inheriting from the way that we live in our society and if that's the case is it just the way we are do, or do we have an alternative 
I think, I mean, there can always be an alternative. There's always something. I mean, inherently our work is judged by other people. And one of the things I think anybody, especially anybody I think who's ever been neurodivergent and suffered through school, when your work is subject to interpretation to somebody else, it is hella frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I can say that, you know, going through school, I would write papers and I would think, well, oh, okay, this is great. And then I would pass it into the teacher and they'd be like, this is not how this was supposed to be interpreted the way I interpret it. And I was like, I did not know this was a guessing game that I was supposed to interpret things your way. Right. Said who, right? Said who, right. <laughs> Said you. Okay. So in your interpretation and, and I would get into arguments with them, like mm-hmm. going, okay, well, this is your interpretation, but this is my interpretation. And if my grade is based on your interpretation and the working world is, is like that, you know, you hear the old term manage up, like, you're supposed are you supposed to do the job your way or are you supposed to do the job your boss's way and what if that's different who's right your boss or you and that's very stressful are you because i think when you start putting you start looking at your work as i'm going to do the job the way my boss would do it you're wearing someone else's shoes mm. and you're yeah. not going to walk as confidently or as comfortably as you are when you're wearing somebody else's shoes that is super stressful and it, you're you're going to suffer i think when you do that versus being able to say this is who I am, how I would do it. And is, is this okay? And given that freedom and autonomy, free of judgment from your boss, it's a very tricky relationship. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's, is there a way to do that? I, I, because your boss always has to be the one to, I mean, essentially monitor and, and watch you and, and is accountable for you. If you go rogue and do something, your your manager at the end of the day has to answer for that. So there's always going to be that balance. I don't know if there's necessarily an answer for that, except trust and good communication, which takes time and alignment. And so my, my hope is that managers put in the time to learn how to align and learn how each other think but that does take time and honesty and trust building between teammates which is yeah, really, yeah. which takes a lot of time and it, and it goes back to what you said to to do a you know an assignment for school i mean i i my opinion is that there is always multiple ways to do something right mm-hmm. but if you're starting to do things that are right just because you need to please that person, then you don't care anymore. You're, you stop thinking. You're just thinking with somebody else's brain. Right. So at, at which point these become the, the burnout? At what point someone can take it anymore? It's not healthy anymore for them. Yeah. And maybe as we were talking before starting this conversation, you know, we, we look at this phenomenon now of quite quitting or people that have the option to leave a job that maybe they don't see to have a career in it because they're just doing what they've been told to do and they're not valued and how we are maybe in a, in a very unique moment in, in our society where maybe thanks to technology, we're allowed to, uh, you know, make changes. And, and it seems to me people are many taking this opportunity instead of saying, well, that's why they call it work. It sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go to the office and do stuff that I don't like. It doesn't have to be like that. So, w- what is happening now to allow this? So, I what I think has happened is 
Um, for those people, as, as we evolve, and so I think with, with the pandemic, with people being able to, to, to work from home, and when that happened, there became a shift. And with this shift, when we were able, I think, to work from home, we then became in our own environment. And we got to know people where all of a sudden you're seeing their homes, you're seeing their kids. And, you know, I, I refer back to that, um, that meme that went around or that video where the, the kid came into the um, dad's office while he was, you know, and, and then just the girl, little girl walks in all jaunty. And like that went around because it was so cute and so random and, and funny. But now that's just another day of the week. Like that would just be no big deal. And so you, you see what people's lives are like. And when that happened, it gave people permission to be themselves in a lot of ways. So you see, oh, wait a minute, hang on, I got to go, my kid just walked in, or I got to feed the cat, or I got to answer the doorbell. Our lives became blended in. It didn't become, oh, we're going to the Christmas party, let me, or the holiday party, let me dress up, you know, everybody put the suit on the, the, the spouse and, you know, whatever, and get everybody all nice and dolled up on their best behavior best behavior flew out the window when somebody went you know child went running by with no diaper on or whatever whatever it was and so I think that as people began to be more of their true selves they began to assert that and it became wait a minute I can I am me and and I have things that I need I have things that I want I um they began to to take a stand more and more for what it is that they want, but also alongside with realizing, you know, with more of a a light being shed on um, these high CEO salaries. And then with some of the, the, the challenges of um, some of the financial challenges of, is there a path for um, progress in someone's career? And so then there became this question of, well, wait a minute, you want me to come back to an office? And you want me to work more than nine to five and you want me to put in more effort. Why should I do that when I may not get a raise? I may not get a promotion. What's in it for me when I'm happy doing this? And I think people began to question, just began to question that. And when there were more opportunities and certainly in technology, there's more opportunities and you had the great resignation and you had quiet quitting of, of people saying, I'm going to balance my work and my life because remote work did enable people to do that more than going into the office and having a one hour, two hour commute and sitting in traffic. And I think the, the ability to balance uh, work and life when people were working remotely was appealing to a lot of people. Because um, the companies that have said you need to go back into the office or the people that have said you need to go back into the office or quiet quitting is bad and all of this uh, have received quite a bit of backlash from that of people saying, no, I don't think we have to. I don't see a reason for that. The, the research has shown that people are just as productive. It's a personal choice. Some people love being back in the office, but they want the choice. I think that's that's exactly where I was going to go because we, I think three episodes ago was right about um, somebody that wrote an article about all the good things about working from home. And of course, this is a journalist that for her own personal reasons, she's been working from home even before the pandemic. 
me, I've always worked from home pretty much <laughs> all my whole life. I don't even know, you know, but I can work from a coffee shop. I like to go to a meeting. But we got to the point that we said some people want to go to the office. They want that lifestyle. Maybe younger people, they get to meet other people. They get to to grow their, their you know, their, 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 their network. They They enjoy it. So the final point of the conversation was like, yeah, there's good thing and bad thing. It's all about where you are in your life, your personality, what you want to do. Because I'm assuming there could be people that get burned out by working from home mm-hmm. because it's hard to balance the f- kids running in while you're trying to have that meetings. And yeah. so I guess in the end, where I think we should go at this point is from a company perspective, you, when you look at the bottom line, uh, what is success what is that you decide okay you know it's good to have people working from home maybe some are working from home some are not but how do i know that the company is it's working maybe it's performing even better now i mean what are the the formulas that we need to look at to to understand that i mean what changed from a management perspective too yeah so i think the things that you're you're looking at so first is Productivity. So, how how are people producing? How's the company doing? What is overall production? And then getting feedback from people. Uh, so, when I talk to to people about what what should managers know, right? Communication and and even with remote or hybrid managers, to to have those questions and ask, are you happy here? Is your head above water or not? Do you feel overwhelmed? Temperature checks with people. When I manage. People, it's one of the first things that I ask when we have one-on-ones. Have and have those one-on-ones. They are so important. Sometimes people, people say, "Oh, we're really busy. Let's not have them." Always have them, even if it's a quick touch base. They matter. And I would always ask, "How are you doing? Head above water? If not, what can we do to help that?" Um, and so then looking, but but okay, what are the metrics for success, and are they meeting them? make things deliberately as open and transparent as possible. Okay, this week, you're going to get done these three, four things. If you didn't, what happened? I mean, so everybody is aligned. And I think if you're looking at people and, and you there's an agreement of we're going to do these things, these are the goals, did you meet them? And everything is out there on the table and there's transparency and you're producing and people are happy and you're just collecting that data and the communication is there. Okay then we're producing and we're getting that, having that, that open door and that communication, that's really what's going to be important and being willing to have those hard conversations. And I think this is one of the things that's, that's difficult to do because not everybody is comfortable having those conversations. And I always tell people, if you're not comfortable going there, okay, like that's okay. Not everybody is, but if you're not find a way around that, don't just not have them find a way around that of, all right, this this isn't my strong suit, but, but maybe I have a conversation with somebody in HR who is good at having them. Or maybe there's somebody on my team that I rely on to do the temperature check to make sure, okay, if you hear of anybody unhappy, can we have the conversation? Will you do the temperature checks for me and you know work it out? Or hire an outside consultant to do check-ins, things like that. But just have somebody there that is that outreach that can can 
make sure that, that your people are happy and productive. And then for the company, being able to say, as I said earlier, you do have bottom lines, you do have metrics, you do have criteria for success, but share that with everybody so they know what role their work plays. When somebody doesn't know their, why they're doing their job, then it doesn't matter. When they know, okay, if I don't finish this by Friday, this impacts this, this, and this. If they think it doesn't matter, yeah, well, I'll just get it done. Doesn't matter anyway. Doesn't matter who I packed. Does, they don't realize or care that by delaying their work till Tuesday, they're making you know Joe, Susie, and Caleb late with their work, right? And that there's domino impact. So a lot of transparency, a lot of confusion, or communication, and letting people know that their work matters and why. I think that is an important point because if you are just doing a repetitive job and I cannot not think about, you know, Adam Smith and the the the, the division of, of work and labor and, and how that was such a great thing for industrial revolution because you could produce more, but you also make people become just numbers or machines because you're like, all right, you're going to sharp a pencil. Well, why do I sharp the pencil? Well, don't worry about that. You sharp the damn pencil. And then, I mean, to the extreme of knowing, yeah, I mean, these, I have this role. I'm doing this thing because there is all of the many people that benefit that I'm working together in this team. And then the customer of the company are getting a better product. They're happy. And so that you're part of, of the society. So I think I, it's reconnecting to what you said at the beginning, meaning like, is that work giving you a purpose? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then yeah, you may get burned out and you're going to walk away and do something, something else. Now, is there something in between? Like as importance of retaining people in a company, you can't just either fire people every day or have people quitting every day. It costs, you have to retrain, you have to restructure. Our mm -hmm. company doing this temperature check, our company really meaningful and i am kind of thinking like what you know diversity and inclusion one thing is to say oh yeah we are a diverse company we are inclusive but are you really or are you just saying that right so I, i'm thinking the same thing about quality of life and and burnout management our company literally getting better at doing this or what do you think they could do better the companies that I have luckily um, either worked for or interacted with are, uh, but I do know that there are a lot that are not. Um, that said, I, I think that with um, advocacy from uh, like the, the talks at, at um, Black Hat and there's a lot of work like from uh, in the mental health hackers and, and but also um, in like the Kubernetes space and, and the developer space, like there's a lot of advocacy for mental health happening right now. And I think with that, there will be some um, an encouragement and some movement towards that. The, the awareness is happening. It, it may be slow. Um, I get super frustrated, you know, when I, when I you know, say, okay, well, you know, how, what about mental health days? And so this doesn't exist. Mental health doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is why <laughs> people are unhappy with you. Um, you know, I think anybody, when they take that attitude, it is very frustrating and that's why their employees are frustrated with them. But, um, 
But no, I, I, I do see a shift headed towards at least um, awareness and, and movement towards wanting to do that. If the, the folks that um, that struggle with it, it's because it's out of their comfort zone. Not everybody is comfortable having what's termed the soft skills, right? It's it's not a comfortable place for them. I know you, nobody can see my air quotes, but that's what I feel like. Um, yeah, or people cannot see my face, but if they heard my conversation, they know what I think about soft skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, they, I, they, they, they're rolling here, but, um, but right. Yeah, the opposite of soft skill there. Yeah, they're, they're the, the people, it's, you know, how many times it's just, it's like if you valued people more and you valued the, the people around you and the humanity of it and, and put investment to people, I mean, um, how much that means um you know i had my my boss my my little girl fell down the stairs and um my boss said to me she goes do you need to be with her in fact you know what no go go today take today and be with her i didn't ask for the day off she gave it to me because she knew that my kid was scared and i, I needed to spend the day bonding with her and that and, and like i could have cried it meant so much to me that she had that empathy that sensitivity and you know what, my loyalty and like my like appreciation that she had did that for me without like I didn't ask for, it, but she knew what I needed more than I did. And and what that did for me in terms of like appreciation and give and, and reciprocity was through the roof. And that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm talking about. Like she knew what I needed more than I did and gave it to me. And and that in terms of just every, it was everything as far as I'm concerned, because it's exactly what my, my little girl needed was to be with me after having gone through something. Um, but that's the kind of thing I, I would love to see more of that. And I asked my boss, can I use this as an example for like awesome bossness? Because um, that it, it blew me away when she did that, because I, I want to see more of that from, from bosses being, having that level of awareness of like, Oh my God, this is your mental state right now. And you may not be aware of, what you need because you're frazzled or unsure, but you need to, you need to take care of your family now. Go. I love that. So, I mean, that that's great, but shouldn't that be the norm? That's what she said. Right. Like she's like, is I'm that like, a am I weird yeah. thinking this? <laughs> right. right. And, and you know, when she said, that, I was like, no, you're, you're right. Like it should be the norm. And, and, it isn't, you know, like, and in so many times, and when I share it, when we were talking about burnout and then the community discussion, it was some of the things that we had, we had talked about was like, you know, is that the, the norm and that it's not, and that sometimes people are afraid to ask for that or afraid to ask for time off or, you know, is it okay to go and be with my kids or, or isn't, and the choices that people feel they have to make and are afraid to, to ask for or afraid to take advantage of things and, um, you know, certainly, I mean, I could then go on about, you know, women in the workplace and the choices that they've had to make throughout time. I mean, it's just um, families and, and um, you know, the generation that are uh, in the middle and having to take care of, of young kids and seniors. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of choices being made all around. And it's a, it's a balancing act to try and do it all. So no wonder so many people are burnt out and trying to balance it all and just find some sanity and peace of mind. Yeah. So during this conversation, obviously, we, we didn't talk about the sign of burnout or what you can do about it. I will invite people to actually listen to, and I will put a link to the other conversation that we had because there were some really great advice coming from you. 
And but but I think that today's conversation from a societal level it's even more important because you know I come down to to one word which is empathy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that what you were told when that happened to your daughter was that your boss put herself in your shoes and said, well, what would I do? What would I want? Mm -hmm. And if we were all thinking that, and maybe we will have this to be the norm. So I will go back to where you started, where like sometimes people just hire the wrong people for the job. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have empathy, because they just have a, I don't know, an older concept, an ancient concept of how the the the, the hierarchy, the I don't know, more like a it's more of a military environment than than a company. <laughs> I mean, I I think for some people, yes, it's it's about empathy, but it's also about empathy first. And yes, not just I, that. Right. I think though, if what people might think is, oh, if they need it, they'll just ask. Yeah. Right. Like if I really wanted it, I should, I would have just asked versus like, she told, she was like, you were going like, I didn't ask for it. She's like, you were going go away. Goodbye. Goodbye. And she has, she literally close like slack. And she was like, goodbye, go. And whereas I think most people would be like, well, if they needed it, it's their decision. I'm not going to tell them what to do, you know, or they just kind of would take the I don't know, easy road or, you know, like, oh, well, if they asked for it, I'd say yes. Um, but what they're forgetting there is that some people are legitimately afraid to ask for a day off, like, or, well, no, they need me. I don't want to cash in my, my favorite chips. I don't want to, you know, is that, is it worth it? Is it, and that, that there are people that are afraid. I mean, part of the burnout part is this being afraid of being fired is the anxiety behind it. And if you have anxiety, chances are you're going through your days like am I going to get fired am I going to let go I'm doing a terrible job like you're hard on yourself so many people are so hard on themselves that to ask for a day off when it's not vacation or for something like you know your kid is homesick or you know like something really bad or you know whatever it's it's if you're only able to cash in so much goodwill is this the, is this when you're going to cash it in I don't know I you know, it's it's hard for people. And some people just, you know, they take days off at the, day, at the drop of a hat and you're, oh, my, I don't want to be one of those people. And so there's anxiety around that. And I think people don't consider that. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, well, the stigma around that. Yeah. So just to conclude this conversation, which could easily keep going and, and maybe we should keep going, maybe we should have a panel about this one of these days. The, the role of technology into this and how do you see things evolving? I mean, now, unfortunately, not in every job because it's kind of like when the pandemic came or some people had the luxury to work from home and some people, their job is to be there in person and they couldn't just not go, right? Unless they say, no, today nobody works and then the whole society stop. But... In general, I feel like the role of technology could ease this relationship that we have. Being able to work on a commute. Um, I see many countries in in North Europe that are going for the four days uh, work week. 
and they actually don't see a, 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 a reduced performance. They actually see an improved performance. So here we go. But yeah. we couldn't be able to do that years ago without the internet, without the network that we have. So your final thoughts about maybe how we could implement technology into facilitate our daily working life. I mean, what's, uh, what's your thought on that? So it's interesting. I, I had a meeting earlier today with somebody in the um, VR community, and we were discussing whether or ah. not VR would start to play a role. Uh, yep. And um, it is coming. <laughs> it is coming. <laughs> it, um, winter is coming. Yes, <laughs> it is coming. Um, but no, I, I the, the four the the four uh, day work week, the four hour work week. I mean, all these all the these four hours. Yes, four hours. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, all, all of these different different things. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, with some of those major changes, something has to push it. Um, you know, so many people said, remote work, no way, we'll never work, no how, no way, no how. And then the pandemic happened, and it was like, oh, well, no, we didn't, we didn't make remote work happen. But what, it took a pandemic to make that, uh, these companies change their mind. Um, so I, let's not do that again. So. <laughs> I don't want, I don't need something that traumatic to, to make people finally change their mind. I wish they would, you know, but um, yeah, I would, I think as new technologies come out, but it'll have to be something big that people are willing to take a risk on. And, um, you know, my, my hope is I love the idea of a, a four day uh, work week, but I think that um, with the technologies, you know, who knows, self-driving cars, a better train system, um, you know, better, better implementation. I mean, you know, you take the train system in, in other countries and it's so easy. If I could go and take a, an easy train system, I would be much more willing to go into an office. So, I mean, infrastructure, major infrastructure would have to change, I think, for to make life a little bit easier here. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's lots that could be done if, if we were willing to do it. Absolutely. Kind of like driving technology to do what could improve humanity instead of just do the other way around where machine will slave you. And of course, now I'm going all fictional here, but that's not the point. But I, I, lo I love what you said, and it's kind of like creating a, a more of a utopia than a dystopia, because mm -hmm. in a way, it's scary, but it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? Yeah. You know, virtual reality or robotics, it doesn't mean artificial intelligence, doesn't mean that it's taking all the jobs away. I mean, it means it augmented our capacity to, to do our job and maybe that will free us from monkey work, right? The, mm -hmm. the, that repetitive thing that you don't even understand why you do it. So yeah. I think that, that you're right. That's at the core of feeling unhappy and that's where burnout come from and whatever that make you feel unhappy we, we need to take care of it we need to yeah. to figure it out so uh great conversation i don't know how many answer we gave but i'm hoping that uh, people will be asking themselves or others a lot of question um, maybe not necessarily should i quit or not but you know, where, where are we going with this? What makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? What can I do about it? So, Stacey, we'll put like links to your work or resources, uh, your talk still, because I yeah. think it's extremely relevant. And uh, I want to thank you very, very much for 
for joining me on this uh, societal conversation and uh, come back any any time. All right, thank you. Uh, if we can can resolve this uh, this problem or at least to make people more open about it. How about yeah. that? Yeah, get them get them thinking and and you know what is what does happiness look like for me and my company, my job, my organization and make it happen. Cool. All right. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Redefining Society here in ITSP Magazine. Thank you. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.